0: And I'm excited to share with you this new, brand new series entitled Spiritual Maturity. Spiritual Maturity. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to go with me now to the, the text that I would like to use this morning, Colossians chapter 1. I want to read for you just two verses from there, very short, and then we're going to jump into the topic itself. Colossians chapter 1, reading from verse 28. This is the beautiful verse that the Apostle, wrote. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this. He is the one, referring to Jesus, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And to this end, Paul said, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Lord, I pray this morning that as we begin this series, may you posture our heart to listen to what your Holy Spirit have to say to us. God, I know that many of us here have been in church for many, many years, but God, I pray that you will help each one of us to recognize that our goal is not just being in church, but we truly want to be spiritually mature. So may you take us to a place of maturity. Lead us, we pray, to this end goal of discipleship that we will be spiritually matured people. So we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know one of the first lessons we learn in primary school science class, science 101, and it goes like that. The number one lesson we learn is this: every living thing grows. Am I correct? Every living thing grows. So let me ask you how many of you are alive today? <laughs> Guess what? You should be growing. Okay, what is true in the natural is also true in the spiritual. If we are alive in Christ this morning, then we must be growing. We must be growing on to maturity. Christianity, my friends, is not just about getting saved and then waiting to go to heaven. Christianity is not about securing a ticket to heaven and then we go on with life as usual. It's not that. We must grow on to maturity. That is the end goal of disciple making, that every one of us will become spiritually matured. We must go on to maturity. Colossians 1, 28 and 29, Paul wrote it so succinctly. He says, he's the one we proclaim, admonishing, teaching everyone with all wisdom. For what? For what's the end goal? So that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And Paul said, to this end, to this goal, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. This is Paul's ministry goal, to proclaim Christ, teach his word, make his ways known until we can present every believer fully mature in Christ. This must be our ministry goal also to bring every member in FCC to maturity in Christ. And we are doing this not by by our own strength, not by our own programs and strategies. We do this by the power of God that works in and through us. Our end goal is spiritual maturity. Somebody say amen to that. Our end goal, really. What What are we trying to do through all that we do? It's trying, we are getting, bringing people to a place of spiritual maturity. And over the next few weeks, we are going to go on a journey to discover what it takes to go on this pursuit of spiritual maturity. And this morning, I want to begin the whole journey by first clarifying what spiritual maturity is not. Okay, because people can have all kinds of ideas about who is a spiritually matured Christian. So I want to just start by clarifying what spiritual maturity is not. Okay, here are six things, if I can be very practical with you. Here are six things that spiritual maturity is not. Number one, spiritual maturity is not about age. Okay, it's not about age. You can be a Christian for 50 years sitting in the pew but still not be spiritually matured. It is not an aging process. Just because we got gray hair and we look more dignified does not mean that you're more spiritually matured. Everybody agree, right? It is our attitude, not our arteries that determines the substance of our spiritual life. Okay, and it is, it is in the context of training to be godly, the Apostle Paul actually told young Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12, listen to this. He said to Timothy, who was a young man, he says, don't, look, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. What does this mean? It means that it is not about age, but it's about godliness, that qualifies one to be an example for others. And that's why I've always been a firm believer that the older can actually learn from the younger, the younger can also learn from the older. Spiritual maturity is not measured by physical age, but it is measured by spiritual substance. Not age, substance. Number two, spiritual maturity is not about appearance. Some people may look very spiritually mature, but they aren't. Just because someone appears dignified doesn't mean that they are holy. Don't judge a book by its cover. In the same way, we see a poignant example of this in 1 Samuel chapter 16, right, verse 6 and 7. When they arrive, this is the story of how uh, Samuel was, co- was called to go to the house of Jesse to anoint one of his sons to become the king. So Samuel went to the house and so what, what Jesse did was he took all his sons out and parade them so when, Jesse, when Samuel looked at all the sons, the first thing he, he did was this. Listen to what it says in verse 6 and 7. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and, said, and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. In other words, he looked very impressive. He looked like Really a spiritual giant. But the Lord says, no, I have rejected him because the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. The prophet Samuel made the same mistake by concluding that Eliab must be the anointed one based on what? Outward appearance. He looks impressive, but God looks at the heart. Matthew chapter 23, 27 and 28. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which looks beautiful on the outside. But on the inside, you're full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, he said, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous. But on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. See, spiritual maturity is not measured by outward appearance, how you dress, how you conduct yourself, it's not that. But it is all about heart posture. God looks at the heart. So don't prejudge people just by looking on the outside. And I think in our sermon, some, uh, in a message a few, a few weeks ago, I talked about prejudice, and, and it's like that. It's all based on external. Someone has tattoos, and we say must be a gangster. Oh, he wears a suit. Oh, he must be a professional. Oh, she looks so presentable. She must be very smart. The guy's got a ponytail, got a cap on. Must be in the media crew. No that's just Thomas Chow, You know, it's not media crew. <laughs> you, you get my point. It's don't judge on the outside. It's not about spirit. Not on, It's not measured by appearance, by substance. Case number three. Spiritual maturity is not about achievement even. A person can achieve much without being mature in the faith. You can graduate from seminary and not know Jesus Christ personally. You can actually win an award for best student in Eros College and yet not be spiritually mature. It's not about achievements. You know, you can win first prize in Bible B competition, know the Bible from cover to cover, and still be spiritually immature. Absolutely. In the context of of testing the fruits of true discipleship, Jesus said this in Matthew 7, verse 22 and 23. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, in your name perform many miracles. You see, I've achieved so many things. But then the Lord said, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. We can say, I volunteer in faith community services. You know, I I shared the gospel with so many people. I helped plant city campus, whatever it is. It's not about spiritual accomplishment, but spiritual authenticity. Are you with me? Spiritual maturity is not about achievement. Here's number four. Spiritual maturity is not about academics. It's not academics. Spiritual maturity is not just knowing the Word of God academically. It is knowing the, 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 Word of, the God of the Word intimately. It's not just knowing the Word of God, it's knowing the God of the Word intimately and have a personal abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what makes us, that's what brings us to maturity. It's not about how many times you have gone through the Bible, but has the Bible gone through you? See, and, and, and Jesus said in John 5, verse 39 to 40, he's talking to the Pharisees who are academically very well read in, in the scriptures. Jesus said, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life my friends, it is entirely possible for us to know the Bible academically and not experience the life of Christ personally. See, the, it is not, spiritual maturity is not measured by the amount of information we can gather. It is measured by our transformation from the inside out. It's not measured by our ability to gather truth, but it is measured by our, our willingness to apply truth to our life. That's what spiritual maturity is about. So we come humbly to the Word of God and let it not only inform us, but the Word of God let it transform us. James chapter 1, verse 21 and 22 says this Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. And then what do we do? Humbly accept the word of God planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, but do what it says. Truth that is believed and applied leads to spiritual maturity. Are you okay? These are things that spiritual maturity is not. Can I give you one more? Spiritual maturity is not about activities also. It's not age, it's not academics, it's not activities. Just because you we sh- we turn up for cell group, uh, connect group, just because we are part of GEMS or Kinetics or VIBE or Impact, you can attend DC 21 all the way to DC 51, but do- that may not make you spiritually mature. Why? Because discipleship is done from the in, not from the outside in based on activities, it's done from the inside out. It is transformation within that makes us spiritually mature. And what brings about true transformation is not just what we do on the outside, but it's value change on the inside. That I have been transformed from the inside out. Classic illustration of how a person can be transformed on the outside in their action and activities, but not be changed on the inside it's Ephesians 4, verse 28, right? I shared this once with you. Ephesians 4, 28 reads like this Listen, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, but they, that they may have something to share with those in need. You know, when you read a verse like that, when, there are three actions that are within this verse. What are the three actions? Number one, it says, Stop stealing. Right? Anyone who is in stealing should stop stealing. Number two action is start working. He should work with his hands so that he has something to start sharing with other people. So three actions, right? Stop stealing, start working, and then you can start sharing. But so, so I come to you and I say, stop stealing. You've been stealing, no good. Stop stealing. So you say, okay, okay, pastor, I will change my action. So you stop stealing, and then what do you do? Now you start working but we think that that settles it, that's done, that you are now matured. No, 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 no. Basically, you have stopped stealing, but we need to ask ourselves, why are you stealing in the first place? It's because you are driven by value on the inside. It's greed. Because of greed on the inside, I'm stealing. But now, someone comes to me and says, stop stealing, so I stop stealing, but then I start working. But my heart is still greedy. Are you with me? So the only thing that has changed is not inside, it's outside. The only thing I've changed is my, the, 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 how I fulfill my greed now is more legit than before. Before that it was criminal, now it's legal. But I'm still greedy, are you with me? Because the value hasn't changed. And if that value hasn't changed, then I may stop stealing, I may start working, but I'm not going to be sharing. Why? Because I'm still greedy inside nothing has really changed. I will never reach the end, which is to start sharing, unless my value change. My value of greed must really be changed to generosity. Then I will stop stealing, start working, and out of what I've, I've got, I now share, because my value has been changed from greed to generosity. Are you with me? And why would a person change from greed to generosity? It's because that this is who God is. We serve a generous God, and this is what God says. God says, be generous. And the person changed, not because somebody tell him to change, the ch- person changed because the word of God convicts him. The Holy Spirit guides him, and then he changes his value. And once your value change on the inside, your action will follow on the outside. Are you with me here? That's true. Transformation, that's true discipleship. And the person truly become mature. Not just based on activities on the outside, but it is based on transformation on the inside. Value change. See, and I think it's important. Until we change our values on the inside, we may never be spiritually mature. So it's not measured by activities. Okay, activities does not really change values. Accountability does. Okay, if we are, if we become accountable to God and to one another, that's where we change. Here's number six. Number six. Spiritual maturity is also not about your abilities. It's not about what you can and cannot do. Just because we are gifted does not mean that we are spiritually mature. There are very gifted men and women of God who are great in public, but immature in private. They can do many things. They can preach, teach, prophesy. They can do all kinds of things, but spiritually still immature inside. Classic example, the church in Corinth. The Corinthians are not lacking in spiritual gifts and abilities at all. In fact, they are very, good in the, in the things, of the in, 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 in abilities, but they are still carnal, still immature inside. And I want you to know, brothers and sisters, Christianity is being before doing. It is not what we do, or, but who we are that really matters. Paul said, right, in 1 Corinthians 13, verse one to three, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong, a clanging cymbal. If I have a gift of prophecy, I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. If I have a faith that can move mountains and do not have love, I'm still nothing. Very able, but still nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, even in being generous and all that, I give my my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Brothers and sisters, the true measurement of spiritual maturity is not the possession of gifts and abilities, but it is the fruit of the Spirit manifesting through us. See, so these are six things that I want to state right from the start. It's not spiritual maturity, okay? Spiritual maturity is not about age, appearance, achievements, academics, activities, or abilities. This is not what spiritual maturity really is. In the next session, next week, I wanna tell you about what spiritual maturity is. Okay, I'll tell you what it is. But the good news I wanna end with this morning is this. Growing in spiritual maturity is an attainable outcome. It is not unreachable. In fact, it must be the goal of every disciple. It must be the goal of every disciple maker that first we ourselves be on a journey to pursue spiritual maturity, and then we bring other people that we are journeying with to spiritual maturity. The Apostle Paul made it so clear in Colossians 1.28. He is the one we proclaim admonishing, teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. That word mature in the Greek is the word teleos, which actually means complete. Pre- present everyone complete, perfect, finished. Completed work, finished work. Okay, that, and This must also be our life goal, that we first pursue spiritual maturity ourselves, and then we bring those we disciple to full maturity in Christ. But spiritual maturity, I want you to know, is not automatic. It doesn't just happen by default. We must want to grow. We must decide to grow. And we must pursue growth. Are you with me? Hello. You all don't seem that excited as I am about spiritual maturity. It's something we must pursue. And there's no such thing as instant maturity. Maturity takes time. It takes effort, it takes intentionality. Somebody put it this way, it takes years to get an oak tree. You want something overnight, instant, you settle for a mushroom, that's all you can get. And this is why Paul goes on to declare that he's pouring everything he has towards this singular goal, to pursue spiritual maturity. Colossians 1:29, he says, To this end I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Everything, all the power of God that's working in me, I'm pursuing this one goal: spiritual maturity. That's what I'm chasing after. The writer of Hebrews, put it this way in Hebrews 6.1. It says, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Two pastors walking down the road, you know, and then, they met each other and they have a quick conversation. One pastor asks the other one, where are you hurrying to? The other one says, just cheekily, you know, I'm hurrying on to perfection, to maturity, you know. And then the other one replied, if that's the case, I better let you go because you've got a long way to go. <laughs> and it's true, right? Every one of us, if we have a long way to go before we reach spiritual maturity. That's true for me. That's true for you. We are far from perfect. We've still got a long way to grow, to completion. We are still work in progress, not finished work yet. In fact, this phrase the writer of Hebrews used, let us go on to maturity. It's so instructive, you know. Let us go on to maturity. And I'm saying to all of us today, let us go on to maturity. turn to your neighbor, nudge them, wake them up, and then tell them, let's go on to maturity, okay? Let's go on to maturity, it's so important. Let's go on to maturity. This one phrase, let's go on to maturity, suggests a few things. Number one, you know what it suggests to me? Don't stop growing because of complacency. Say, let's go on to maturity. It's challenging us. Don't stop growing because of complacency. Uh, Hebrews 6.1. Therefore, let us move beyond. Don't stop growing, my friends. Even if you have been in this church for the last 30 years, don't stop growing. We must move beyond. All of us must be lifelong learners. And we can never stop growing until we see Him face to face. So keep on growing in the Lord. We will never outgrow our need for the five essential things that I wrote in the book, right? Towards the Disciple-Making Church. We have five things that we need to keep on building into our life. Practical teachings, private disciplines. Never stop practicing the private discipline. Never stop serving. We need personal ministry. We need providential relationships. Never stop mentoring others and being mentored by others. And never stop processing the events that happen in your life in the light of who God is and what God says. Keep on growing. Never stop growing. That's number one. Don't stop growing because of complacency. Here's number two. Don't try and do this alone. Because we need God and we need each other. Let us go on, he says. Writer Hebrew says, Let us go on. Okay, we are never expected to, pers- to go on this journey of spiritual maturity on our own. You cannot do it in your own strength. We cannot become spiritually mature just walking by ourselves. We need one another. Firstly, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to bring about sanctification. I cannot sanctify myself. Only the Holy Spirit can. So we need the Lord. Paul said in Colossians 1:29: to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. You know, while we must personally pursue maturity, it is by cooperating with the Holy Spirit that works within us that we can actually grow into maturity. We need the Lord. Secondly, the writer of Hebrews reminded us, in the pursuit of maturity, we don't do it alone. We do it in community. Let us go on. Okay, and this is why everyone rec- need uh, like-minded brothers and sisters to do this with. That's why it's so important to belong to a connect group. It's because that's where you have like-minded brothers and sisters who journey together with you. We need kindred spirits that will propel us through mutual encouragement to keep on growing towards maturity. And I can tell you, discipleship is demanding. And to follow Christ is not always easy. It's not a walk in the park, but it's a lifelong journey. We need one another. In the words of Eugene Peterson, he put it this way, it's a long obedience in the same direction. (laughs) That's what discipleship is. It's a long obedience in the same direction. We keep on keeping on. So don't try and do this on your own. Can I encourage you? Look for a group of kindred spirits that will go on this journey of discipleship with you. So I, I keep um, telling parents and young people, you know, our children, parents, can I encourage you with this? Our children need people to grow up with. And I think our children should have all kinds of friends because, so that they can reach out to other people. But make sure that their best friends are people who are godly. Can I say it again? I think our children should have all kinds of friends so that they are able to reach out to all kinds of people. But make sure that their best friends are people who are godly because it will influence them big time. The friendship that they hold is going to make all the difference because we cannot do this on our own. We need kindred spirits to journey with. I'll leave you one last thing is about don't stop growing out of complacency. Don't do this alone because we need God and we need one another. And here's the last thing, don't slow down because of discouragement. Hebrews 6.1, he says, therefore, let us be taken forward to maturity. The fact that the writer of Hebrews reminds us of the need to be taken forward to maturity implies that all of us can succumb to the danger of discouragement, and we stop pressing on. We can become discouraged and stop pressing on. And that's why the Apostle Paul says in Colossians 1:29: to this end I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. You now this phrase, strenuously contend, is a loaded phrase which means to struggle with difficulties and danger, to agonize to obtain something to a point of weariness and exhaustion. He says, I will keep on keeping on. I strenuously contend, I'm not gonna give up this journey towards spiritual maturity. I pour in everything. It's a strong call to not to be discouraged or to give up, but to keep on pressing on to maturity. And my challenge to all of us this morning is this let's commit afresh to grow towards spiritual maturity. Don't stop growing because of complacency, but don't slow down because of discouragement also. But together with one another and depending on the Lord, we will press on to maturity. This is my challenge to all of us today. Let's commit ourselves to grow towards spiritual maturity. Don't be content to stay where we are in our spiritual journey, but let's press on the maturity. Don't just engage in church activities, but let's grow on the spiritual maturity. You know, remember this uh, nursery rhyme that a long time ago, I I read this nursery rhyme that goes like this, pussycat, pussycat, where have you been? I've been to London to visit the queen. Remember that? Pussycat, pussycat, what did you do there? I frightened the little mouse under her chair. (laughs) And I read this and I thought, my friends, don't be like that silly cat that went all the way to London just to frighten a mouse when actually she could have spent time with the queen. Get my point? You know, let's not spend our time just engaging in trivial pursuits chasing after worldly things when we had the opportunity to actually live our life for the king of kings. Let's commit, you know, to grow on the spiritual maturity. Can I end with this? I I just came back from teaching at a Bible college uh, in Singapore, uh, Tongling Bible College. I was very blessed uh, with a testimony that one of the students uh, shared. He was a young let me tell you a story, I won't give you his name because um, the, um, uh, he's still got young children and, and, and I think it's important that we keep that confidentiality, but it's a true story. He was, he's a young, good-looking young professional with a wife, two beautiful daughters. He runs a successful business that brings home about $500,000 a year income, drives two Mercedes-Benz and a Porsche, owns two properties, and life was good for him. He's a regular, active member of Good Church in Singapore, served as a worship leader in his connect group, also served as an usher in the church on the weekend, and on top of that, he runs an outreach cell group in the marketplace. When you look at all this list of activities that he's involved in, I think he ticked all the boxes, right, to become a model church member and lay leader. But behind all of this, he was leading a double life. Behind all those spiritual activities, he never had an abiding or intimate relationship with God. This is his own testimony. He was active on the outside, but empty on the inside. And behind all that religiosity, he was addicted to pornography, masturbation, prostitution, alcohol, all sorts of sexual immorality. What's going on in his life while he's doing all these things? The way he described it in his testimony was this, he described himself as an unhappy man that has to go for a drink, and during the drinking session, he feels very happy and high. But the next morning, he'll wake up with a terrible hangover and a massive sense of emptiness. He then promised himself each time that he will not do it again. But like a dog, he will return to his own vomit. It was a life full of guilt, shame, and emptiness. And he finally had a total meltdown. He ended up divorcing his wife, left his work, left his church, left all his friends, and he fell into depression. Lost his income, his family, his cars, his properties, and he ended up in debt. And during that season, he blamed everybody, including God, for his situation. But praise God, we serve a covenant-keeping God who remains faithful to us even when we are unfaithful to Him. And God drew him back. You know how? Through grace. God drew him back by unveiling His grace to him. He happened to be reading. One day, God just put a desire, he went back to the Bible, opened it, and he read the story of the woman caught in adultery. And he saw the grace of God that in all of that brokenness, God could still love an adulterous woman and bring her back. And that broke his heart. And he slowly began to restore his life. And today, he's reconciled back to his children and he's pursuing God now in Bible college. And he's learning afresh that spiritual maturity is not about age or appearance or academics abilities, achievements, activities. He has all of those things. But it's about an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ based on who God is and based on what God says. The ways of God and the word of God is what we need to put ourselves on a pathway towards spiritual maturity. I don't know where you are today in your own journey. Perhaps you can identify you know, with this student of mine Everything may look great on the outside, but deep within, we could well be living with struggles. We could well be living a double life. And the good news I have for you is that we serve a faithful God. We serve a God so full of grace. He is here to rebuild and He is here to help you restore. Don't be complacent or discouraged but recognize also that it is a dark illusion to think that we can live a double life and still be intimate with God. But the key is this, you return to God and God will promise to return to you. And we should commit ourselves afresh to Him and say, God, I don't just want to be a spiritually informed Christian, I want to be a spiritually transformed Christian and change me from the inside out. And we put ourselves on a path to spiritual maturity. And we can all let us press on to maturity. Amen. Why don't we stand together, shall we? Hallelujah. We serve a miracle worker, a way maker, a God who is able you know, to Restore a God who is able to come alongside us and take us on this journey to maturity. I want a worship team just to lead us and let's sing this song one more time. He is a miracle worker. And maybe some of us could really identify with what I'm talking about that, yeah, pastor, it's not about age, it's not about academics, it's not about all these activities I can engage in, but ultimately, it's about that relationship that we must have with our Lord Jesus. And today, I want you to know that God is here to meet with us. We all have struggles in our life, and and we can bring it before God to say, God, I surrender these things to you. Come. Come. Take me on this journey towards spiritual maturity. Thank you, Lord. We're going to sing this song again in just a few moments, but this morning, there could be some of us here, you could be reaching a place where you feel a little bit discouraged. Maybe you have really stopped pursuing. Maybe things have happened and you do feel discouraged. I want you to know that God is here. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. He come alongside us and He will... And us again. And if you need to say, Pastor Benny, I want to recommit to go on this path for spiritual maturity, uh, and we are here just to pray for you and minister to you. You can take your struggles and you bring it before the Lord. We are family here and we have no problems saying, I, I need help, pray for me. And we'll be here to pray with you. Let's Lord, this morning we acknowledge that you are our way maker our miracle worker. You're the one who is able. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will come, encourage us, speak to us, and put in us a fresh desire to go on this path of spiritual maturity. God, come. Come and speak to us. Come and minister to us, we pray.